Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, taking care of business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. Welcome to Business Owners Radio, episode 37. In today's show, we'll be talking to Chris Voss, founder and CEO of the Black Swan Group Limited, about his new book, Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as if Your Life Depended on It. Chris is going to tell us how you can apply the proven techniques he deployed while serving as lead international kidnapping negotiator for the FBI to negotiate better terms in business and in life. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, Shy. So, Craig, what do you think is the hardest thing about negotiations? Oh, there's a lot of challenges, but one that really gains my attention is what is the negotiating party thinking? What's behind their impetus? You know, what are they about? What do they want? And what are they trying for? That seems to be the area, of, for me anyway, to get the most information of and trying to figure out. How about you? Yeah, sure. I mean, trying to figure out what the other party wants and trying to... Think about how to get them to tell you what they want, because, you know, a big part of negotiations is just understanding what's available for the conversation. Yeah, in all of my experience, it's been a long dialogue because what they first arrive at may be a disguise. It may not be anything they're interested in in the long term or they have all these other things and everybody's, you know, it's like playing poker. You're coming to the table and everybody says all of their cards are on the table and they're not. But you're trying to figure out what's amenable, what are the negotiable issues, what is important to both parties. It could go quickly or it could go slow, depending on how much gaming takes place. Yeah, I think the important thing is you're trying to figure out where can value be created. And in order to do that, you, you really have to bring in a certain amount of trust. But like you said, I mean, it's knowing when to show those cards, which cards to show. And it's sort of this process. You know, and our guest today is really an expert on this topic. He is Chris Voss. He's the founder and CEO of the Black Swan Group Limited, and he's the author of Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as If Your Life Depended on It. Good morning, Chris. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Good morning. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. This would be great. Chris, we're so excited to talk to you today about your new book, Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as If Your Life Depended on It. And where I want to start with you is right at the beginning, because I'm picturing not a lot of kids probably grow up thinking, you know, when I grow up, I want to be a hostage negotiator. How did this opportunity come to you? And just tell us a little bit about how you ended up doing that kind of work. Yeah, you know, never envisioned it in a million years. Didn't even think about being an FBI agent. From about my mid-teens, I wanted to be a police officer. I was struck by the creativity in it. You know, maybe that's one of the things I love about negotiation, too. You know, I was a police officer, and then based on my father's encouragement, I started looking at federal law enforcement and direction for me because he got me to look at the Secret Service first, which they weren't hiring at the time at all, but the FBI was, and got into the FBI with the crowd, so to speak. I, I've always thought of myself as kind of just a, a regular average guy. Tried out for the SWAT with the Kansas City Police Department and was on the verge of being transferred there. So I found out the FBI had SWAT and made the SWAT team and then had a recurring knee injury, which made me look in other directions. And the FBI had hostage negotiators and having no idea how difficult and nuanced and and fascinating negotiation could be. I thought, yeah, I could do that. You know, I, I, I can talk to terrorists. How hard could it be? So then I managed to get myself into that, actually 
I first got rejected for the hostage negotiation team because I didn't have any experience. But I asked a woman who was in charge of the team what I could do to get better. She told me, and I actually did it, which shocked her. It's amazing the number of people you give good advice to, and they don't follow it. (laughs) So what, what does one do to get better at hostage negotiation? Yeah, you know, interestingly enough, the greatest place to learn emotional intelligence, which is what hostage negotiation and negotiation is, is uh, suicide hotlines. I mean, it's learning to listen between the lines at kind of the micro level. I mean, just really getting into what's driving people. And she told me to go volunteer to suicide hotline, and I did. And I kind of felt like I walked through a door that had been waiting for me for a long time. And just the insight and learning about how people tick was where I started my whole negotiation career. Amazing. And after more than two decades as a lead negotiator for the FBI and International Kidnapping Division, what led you to finally write this book? Well, I kind of worked my way to that position as the lead international kidnapping negotiator. I became a hostage negotiator in 91. I didn't take over our international operations officially till 2003. Although I had been doing it unofficially since 2000 when I became a full-time hostage negotiator. But it was one of those points in a kidnapping that it didn't turn out the way we thought it was going to. And, you know, interestingly enough, most hostage sieges, most kidnappings, once you've done them for a while, you get a pretty good idea how they're going to turn out fairly early on. The trick is steering it in another direction or either lengthening it or shortening it. But when you get good at it, and unfortunately experience is a tough teacher, you know early on how it's going to go after you've done a few. And we had one go in a direction we didn't expect, and we did everything we knew how to do. And instead of being defeated by that, I just thought, we got to get better. If what we know isn't enough, we have to get better. So I went to Harvard Law School's negotiation program, and this was in 2004. And I said, hey, can we collaborate? And I negotiated my way into Harvard Law School's negotiation course. I'm the only FBI agent that's ever done that. (laughs) And it was an enlightening experience, enlightening in that I finally saw that hostage negotiation and business negotiation were really the same dynamics, just different circumstances. And circumstances didn't make the strategies any different. And my Harvard brothers and sisters, you know, they saw it before I did. As soon as I got up there, the people I was working with were happy to have me there because they're like, hey, you know, this guy's A game adds to our game. We're doing the same stuff. And it took me through the entire length of the course before I finally saw that it was the same thing. And I just found that so interesting that ultimately I wanted to take hostage negotiation into business negotiation because I thought it would take negotiation really to the next level. And it was that series of circumstances that got me into it. That's fantastic. And I love the way you describe that negotiation in the beginning of the book when you talk about Harvard negotiation. And I'm curious, you know, so what are the differences, if any, between hostage negotiations and business negotiations? And that's a great question because people think that somehow when a hostage negotiation, it changes people into different things, that those people are crazy. It's not. What it taught me to look for was emotional patterns, and everybody's driven by patterns. And emotions in business is a dirty word. Like if I were to say that you were emotional about your business, that would be an insult. But if I were to say you're passionate about your business, you'd be highly complimented by that. So what's the difference between passion and emotion? It's just a rose by any other name. It's, it's a different word for the same thing. And hostage negotiation is just a systematic application of emotional intelligence to a situation where you're trying to get somebody to change their mind about something that they feel strongly about. Now, in business, 
do we feel less strongly than they do in hostage negotiation? You know, it's interesting. I have heard more stories of people in business negotiations screaming at each other than I ever did in hostage negotiation. <laughs> I hear those stories all the time. People slamming their hands on the table, getting up and walking out, refusing to speak to people again. <laughs> Our hostage takers were always far more well-behaved than, than business. <laughs> I don't know what that says about us. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, right? Well, maybe we just lose sight of really how high the stakes are. You know, we don't have that relative comparison in our mind. You bring up an interesting thought, which is it's important to remain grounded when you're negotiating and keep that context of what really may or may not be in stake and what other options are. Because unlike in hostage negotiations, I think in business, you always have several different options. And sometimes in the heat of battle, we get into this place of narrow framing and we forget that. Right. You know, and what you're doing is you're talking about the process of people taking themselves hostage, which people do in business all the time. Because your biggest problem is your biggest problem or whatever it is that's driving you. You know, I got to get this deal. I got to get this promotion. You know, I have to get this raise. My boss is giving me a hard time. My significant other is giving me a hard time. And we put all these pressures on ourselves and we take ourselves hostage. And that's really how hostage negotiation gets into the middle of this and helps people get more grounded. Exactly like what you said a moment ago. It's how to get people more grounded, how to get yourself more grounded, and then how to actually get the other side more grounded. Chris, in that first phase of the relationship and a negotiation process in business, one of the ones that I found that takes the longest of being part of some of these is building that rapport between the two parties and seeing how that gels and norms and storms. And without a step-by-step process to it all, it, it jumps around all over. Is there a process to building that rapport and having a logical flow? Yeah, you know, that's a great point. And I think that's one of the things that hostage negotiation does that is actually infused and makes it better than traditional business negotiation because typical business negotiation is, hey, how you doing? You know, how's the wife? How's the kids? You see the ball game. You know, you're, you're watching the NBA finals. Boy, you know, aren't the Warriors incredible? Now give me what I want. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, people see it as a separate phase and they see that they have to establish a good relationship so that they could bare-knuckle bargain, get down to brass tacks. And so then there's two issues there. There's, first of all, the amount of time that that takes to begin with. And secondly, then what the problem is, is that the underlying dynamic of negotiating diminishes rapport, kills your rapport. As soon as you start grabbing, as soon as you start claiming value, as soon as you start asking for what you want, you define that it's at the expense of the other person. It's going to hurt them, and you need the rapport in order to survive that onslaught. Hostage negotiation looks at it completely differently. We want to build rapport throughout the entire process. Therefore, we waste less time at the beginning because we can start negotiating and building rapport simultaneously. And then if you're sensitive to it in the negotiation in any given moment, you can mix back in a hostage negotiation skill to address what might be a rapport issue because ultimately rapport is a key to implementation. Your deal is not profitable when you sign the deal. Your deal becomes profitable based on how you implement the deal. And hostage negotiation, since, you know, how am I going to sue a hostage taker for noncompliance? I have to negotiate the deal from the very beginning, a deal that will be implemented on the other side, because there's only one way to find out if they're going to implement it. 
I have to have great rapport all the way through. And when it's all done, he's got to be happy with me. And if you take that to business negotiation, then it'll change your deals significantly. And could you give us an example of how that works, how you do those two things simultaneously? Well, in a business negotiation, you're going to have a gut instinct when the other side is unhappy or hesitating. And if, for example, when somebody says yes to a deal. So the first move is to get them to say yes three times. You need any answer three times, at least solidly, to understand whether or not it's a good yes. And so you get the first yes, and instead of running off to happy land because they said yes, you come back and you paraphrase. So it sounds like you feel that this deal is going to be very implementable. Because now with that, we call that a label, what you're doing is you've just shifted into implementation. And you're looking for problems so you can address them in advance because there's a seven to one rate of return on addressing problems in advance as opposed to trying to fix them after the fact. Easily seven to one on your most valuable time, which eats your profits. And if the second time they say, yes, well, a hostage negotiation skill is to recognize there was hesitancy in their voice without challenging them and say, you know, it sounded like you were a little hesitant with that. Now, they know they hesitated when they said yes, and they're hoping you heard it. And they want you to recognize that in a respectful way, which, again, continues to build rapport. So when you say to them, it sounds to me like you were a little hesitant there, it gives them the opportunity to open up about a problem that they may have just thought of or discovered without feeling retribution or without feeling they're going to be punished for it. Now you're beginning to address implementation issues, which is going to save you a lot of money. That's just one example. Chris, in building that rapport during the conversation, you're trying to get a sense for that person. And one of the things I have a challenge with is determining, am I getting the real story? What are your thoughts there? You know, that comes little by little as you go through there. And you just address it in very subtle ways. The more indirect you address it, the more you get out from the other side. We used to say, In hostage negotiation, what's it going to take to get the hostage taker to come out? Well, he's going to tell you, but not directly. So you begin to bounce stuff off of them a little bit. And again, it's this idea, the label in business negotiation. Everybody that I know in crisis intervention go, yeah, we heard of labels. We call them emotional labels. That's nothing new. Well, what's new is the application of it to business. And it's in a way that pulls it out of the other person. So you label what you hear and you label what you hear between the lines. And every time you label it, right or wrong, you get an answer. And it's so powerful that actually a lot of my business students have learned the technique of mislabeling what they're hearing because they know it triggers a lot more information where they say, it sounds to me like this doesn't matter to you at all. And they'll say, no, 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 wait a minute, that does matter to me. And here's why it matters. And people just completely throw more and more information on the table. You know, my colleague from the camp group, Todd Camp, you know, they call it spilling the beans. We do a lot of collaboration with camp. I like working with those guys. You know, I'm from a little more street environment, if you will. And we call it vomiting information. You know, you want the other side just blasting information out you. Negotiation is the process of triggering information from the other side that you didn't know in advance. And a mislabel is a great technique for that. So, you know, your question of how do I get a feel for the other guy and how do I test it? Well, what you want to do is you want to feed it back to them and get their reaction. So it sounds like you're incrementally getting small agreements during the process. Well, that's a great label. You're picking up the uh, <laughs> the negotiation techniques as we go. 
Incremental agreements, incremental decision-making, understanding where they're coming from, and pulling out what's behind it. The huge difference between my approach and getting to yes, if you will, the most famous negotiating book in the world prior to Never Split the Difference. (laughs) (laughs) Getting to yes is trying to make this a rational process. And what I mean by that is the getting to yes advice is, well, separate the person from the positions and figure out, instead of asking them what they want, find out why they want it. And so you just tell me why you want what you want, and I'll figure out a better answer. Well, nobody's ever going to do that. Because as soon as you start telling people why you want things, we feel vulnerable. Those are the cards we're holding. Why do I want to sell my commercial office building? Because there's two others that I own that are underwater. What would ever make me want to tell you that? Can you imagine in a commercial office building transaction, the broker telling the buyer that the owner was underwater on other buildings? Imagine the amount of leverage you would get if you heard that. And no broker on the planet would ever say that. But with the mislabel, one of my students got the broker to provide that information at the table because it triggers information that you would otherwise never get. What the other side is hiding, their whole cards, their hidden cards. It's playing Texas Hold'em and seeing what the other side is holding. That's what you're trying to do with hostage negotiation. You know, I really love your approach, and I know in your book you several times cite references to behavioral economics, and this is yet another field, negotiations, where we're really applying, you know, what science knows about human behavior to be more effective. And, you know, some of your ideas have been called counterintuitive. Do you think that that's a fair characterization? Yeah, I do. I love that characterization. I also ride motorcycles. I got a Harley. And a book that I read a number of years ago about riding motorcycles, and it said, learn to do the counterintuitive things that will save your life. And that's exactly what this is, the counterintuitive negotiation strategies that will save your deal. Chris, I have to also talk to you about an underlying theme of the book is the black swan, right? And so most of our listeners may know the book by Nassim Nicholas Taleb, or at least a movie probably with Natalie Portman. (laughs) I'm very ballerina-like, yeah. (laughs) You really are. (laughs) But, you know, your book talks about the significance of black swan events as a metaphor. And in particular, there's this chilling narrative of this situation. And I don't know if that's the one you were talking about that inspired the book in the first place, the William Griffin story that may have possibly had a different outcome if it was identified as different. Can you share that with our listeners? Yeah, well, first of all, I'd like to say I don't think there's anything anybody could have done that would have changed what happened in Rochester with William Griffin. Uh, I've gone back and forth over that uh, a number of times. I've spoken to the, the negotiators that were there. William Griffin killed a hostage on deadline, and it never happened before. And the negotiators didn't see it coming because they didn't know what the earmarks were. And what happened is that we took in law enforcement that concept and said, here's how we're going we're gonna to save lives otherwise. And there have been differences made in hostage sieges. Lives have been saved because of what happened with William Griffith. And William Griffith said, come in and kill me by three o'clock or I'm going to kill a hostage. And he actually didn't express that directly to the negotiators, which was the first sign. And why I know in a negotiation, in business negotiation, if the other side's talking to you, you have leverage. If you have communication at all, if you have direct communication, even if they're only talking to you to threaten you or to tell you what bad is going to happen if the deal doesn't take place, you've got leverage. There's always leverage. In the William Griffith siege, one of the huge earmarks there was that Griffin refused to speak directly to the negotiators. 
huge, huge sign, huge deal from the very beginning, which we didn't know then, and we know now, and we've used that to save lives. So unfortunately, a hostage was killed on deadline, and then William Griffin walked up to a large plate glass window and waited for the sniper to kill him because he was there to be killed, and the negotiators didn't understand that. They actually ignored what he was asking because they'd never heard of it before. And the idea of a black swan and why black swans exist in every business negotiation is there's, there's three steps to this, but then you'll see the overlap is there. You can't approach a negotiation without having confidential information. There are cards that you're holding. There are things you are hiding from the other side that you know they don't know. And it's not that telling them would ruin the deal. Actually, telling them would make the deal better if they wouldn't destroy you with that information because it would make you vulnerable. It happens every time. Well, if it's true for you, it's also true for the other side. There's stuff that they're holding that you don't know, that if only you knew it would make all the difference in the world. And because each of you are hiding cards, then the innocent information is you don't know where that overlaps. That's why detecting deception only gets you halfway there. Detecting deception is very big in the business community now. Well, if they're hiding information they don't know is important, they're not going to deceive you because they're not going to give you any of their tells. They don't know what's important. And that's where the overlap is, and, and that's where hostage negotiation is designed to get the other side to relax, to share information with you, because everybody's got to come out alive. Everybody's got to make the deal. Everyone has to make a profit. If you kill the other side in a business deal, while eminently satisfying, you put your business partners out of business and you have no more partners. That's why killing the other side is not a good idea. So the black swan is getting the other side to talk to you to get that information that's going to make all the difference in the world in your business deal. Chris, it's been so great having you with us. Is there anything you'd like to offer our listeners? Yeah, you know what? You're, you're making a deal with me now, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, asking you an open-ended question. You said that tell? those are powerful in your book. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, i tell you what I'll do. We've got an email negotiation course. Now, that online negotiation training is our daily email negotiation course. And I think we're selling it for about $85. If you buy a book based on listening to this interview today, Send an email to info at blackswanltd.com with a proof of purchase, obviously, of the book. And we will give you the daily email negotiation course that will be a phenomenal supplement to the book. Never Split the Difference is a power book. Applied knowledge is power. And it is a book about applied knowledge to the business world. It's a power book. It's an empowering book. And I think you can get a lot out of it. Wow, Chris, that's a fantastic offer. I, I can hear Craig already tapping on his keyboard in the background as we both race to get our emails out. <laughs> I'm getting <laughs> this. We can take this course. <laughs> but we want to thank you again. Uh, it's been great spending time with you today. The book, again, is Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as if Your Life Depended on It by Chris Voss. Chris, thanks for being with us today. Thanks, fellas. I really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Chris. Our guest today has been Chris Voss, founder and CEO of the Black Swan Group Limited. You can learn more about Chris and get a free copy of the audiobook version of Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as if Your Life Depended on It. Just click on the Audible 30-day free trial logo in our show notes at businessownersradio.com. Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. 
please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show. And, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.